to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about magic systems with author Sarah Gailey. But first... What are you reading, Bria? Oh, I just started a book that you already read. I'm doing a lot of that. I keep realizing that I'm reading books that you've already read and told me to read. Because that's the great thing about being my friend is that I, you can yeah. just fo- like hang out in my wake and pick out the good books. I think I- I'm also like, oh, I should read these books that came out this year that have been like sitting in my house that you read early. And I'll, now I'm like, oh, yeah. I should read some 2019 books. Yes, I think you because I, I hand the good arcs on to yeah, you. Yeah, you do. Um, which is good. That's the good thing about being your friend. Um, I'm reading The Haunting of Tramcar 15 by P. Jelly Clark. Um, I just started it, so you can probably talk about it more than I can, but it's set in Cairo around the early 1900s, 19-teens, and in it's a like world... An alt, yeah, it's like an alt-history Cairo. Yeah, an alt-history Cairo where all of the tram cars are uh, run by gin. Which is gin book. I love a gin book. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so it's, it, that's about how far I am. And then one is apparently haunted, and there's a man who goes to check it out who's a little disgruntled, and that's all I know so far. Yes. Well, there's like a, in this in this world, there's like an um, office of people who deal with this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. And they are they got to go deal with this haunted tram car. It's wicked good. It's a tour, one of our favorites, you know, tour.com novellas. Yeah, it's a novella. It's uh, short and sweet, but um, I like it so much. It's really entertaining. What are you reading? Uh, so I will talk about, I, I talked about this on an episode that we've already recorded, but it's coming out later. So I'm going to say it again for this episode because it's coming out first. Um, so I very recently was, took a week off of book tour to heal my exhausted brain in a cabin with a bunch of books. And I read a bunch of great books and I was posting about them on social media and people wanted to know what I thought of them. Uh, so I'm going to pull a Bria and talk about some books that I've already read. Yeah. Um, and so one of the ones that I read and loved is Rain and Delilah's Midnight Matinee by Jeff Zentner, uh, who's a great YA author and musician. And so this book, uh, I first heard about it because he actually asked me some questions about it when, I, when he was writing it. And it's uh, these two girls down the South, and they have a uh, public access midnight weekly horror show. And they're horror hosts, and they dress up in spooky clothes. And it's about that one of the girls, she does it because her father, who loved horror movies, and that's where they get all their horror movies from, uh, abandoned their family when they were when she was a kid. So she's doing the show in hopes that maybe somewhere, he, wherever he is, he'll see it. And the other girl doesn't really like horror, but she really wants to be on TV. And she's going to go off to college soon, and the other girl's staying in town. And it's this, like, great... Uh, book that's like an image of or like a snapshot of what that's like when you're at the end of high school and you're fr- some friends are going some way some friends are going another and there's just that like inevitable sadness about the changing of things and like how to find what you're doing in life and how to deal with um the way that your family is and the cards that you've been dealt and how to find happiness and it's like he says that it's really an ode to people who did their best and it just wasn't quite enough mm-hmm. uh and it's a it's a beautiful book i read it in one day um has a really cool cover uh and i loved it so that's rain and delilah's midnight matinee by jeff Sentner, and you're reading the haunting of trim car 15 by p jelly clark so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback charlotte wrote in about things found in used books While I'm a librarian, I haven't found many things in books due to my position as more of a back-end kind of librarian. That is like some—I'm going to hit on somebody like that. What do you mean? (laughs) You're going to say you're a back-end librarian? (laughs) Just my back-end is the librarian part. Uh, I truly don't know what that means, back-end librarian. Back-end librarian? librarian? No, I mean, like, what is is Charlotte's job? 
Oh, <laughs> I think that she, I think maybe by the time books get to her, she's not the pers- person who gets in contact with them as, as they're coming out of certain, like, got it, like, got it. You know what I mean? Um, but sorry, continuing in Charlotte's voice. But I, but, but I used to do intake at a used bookstore warehouse. The most interesting things I found in books there were letters. People would use letters they had received as bookmarks and then forget they were in the books when they donated them. I actually collected these letters and would read them at home, imagining what the dynamics might be between the people who wrote them. I won't share any specific examples here because of privacy issues, but they were always a fascinating read. Ooh. That's cool. Yeah. Oh man, I would love to read someone's letters. To I know that else. is like Bria's. Like, uh, dream. It's such catnip for me. I, I know. know. But like, do you know? Well, I found someone's journal when I was. In I know. Co- we've talked about. What a dream. So, for I me. hope that I hope for you that someday you stumble into a house that has a box full of old letters. Uh, love it. Love it. Hot book tip from Rachel. Wow! 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 Hot book tip. Hi, ladies. I just wanted to pop in with a suggested solution for the reader problem from last week's episode. I find uh, this is, you know, it takes us a while to answer these. So from the episode where we talked about this, I find the Kindle collections thing really fussy. So I organize my Kindle by deleting the books I've read from my Kindle, but not from my account, just the device and filtering it by downloaded so that the only books I actually have downloaded on my device are the unread ones. Bonus points for saving storage space. That is a hot book tip because you can just re-download them anytime you want. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And then we have a wheelhouse from Anne. Um, So Anne's wheelhouse, and this is Anne with an E. They were talking. This Anne met me at a signing and was very excited because my middle name is Anne with an E. Anne's with E's were out there. Uh, So uh, Anne's wheelhouse is kids suddenly living in a foreign country. Small groups of people on an outdoor mission adventure by choice, preferably. (laughs) Uh, Women in science nature. Mm -hmm. uh, Books about or highlighting unusual professions. Yeah, I like that too. Deep dive nonfiction about animals. I hope that Anne liked our recent Nature Books episode. Uh, Anne likes books like The Secret Life of Lobsters and The Soul of an Octopus will always wow. be on myself. But Anne's favorite book ever is Last Chance to See, which I should have talked about during our Nature Books episode. I forgot all about that book because I don't own a copy of it anymore. Last Chance to See is a nonfiction book uh, that Douglas Adams wrote. Oh, he went did a trip where he traveled all the way around, all around the world looking at... Um, the most endangered animals. Oh, so it's like cool. last chance to see. It's such a good book. If you are interested in animals, if you love Douglas Adams. It's funny. It's written in that like Douglas Adams voice. It's super fantastic. Um, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, along with an additional special newsletter that is book recommendations paired with snacks and cocktails, but you know who, who who's who there, mm-hmm. sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about magic and books with Sarah Gailey, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is brought to you in part by our friends over at StoryWorth. StoryWorth makes it easy and fun for your loved ones to share their stories, and at the end of the year, they'll get their stories bound in a beautiful hardcover book. I bet you you could send it to your enemies, too, and they could send... (laughs) And they'll send you all their secrets. Yeah, and their evil ways. (laughs) Here's how it works. You purchase a subscription for someone you love or is your enemy, and each week, StoryWorth sends them an email with questions about their life. And so they simply reply to this email with their story. All the stories are private and only shared with family that you choose. And after a year, their stories will be bound into a beautiful keepsake book. Father's Day is coming up. And this is a great even last minute gift. This is a, literally a Father's Day gift that you could wake up Father's Day morning and go, oh, crap. I forgot to get my dad something. Go to StoryWorth.com using your reading glasses code and bam, you're all set. Yeah, I got one of these for um, my mom. 
uh, about a year ago, and I got the book recently, and it was very exciting to get the full book um, with the story all of her stories, of houseboat of this, mom, yeah, her stories of her of her life. So that was like it was really fun. It's such a great gift to people who are in your family or people it doesn't have to be a family member it could be someone who's just sort of a father figure to you who you feel like you don't know enough about or someone who you just you want to know their stories of their life because listen if someone's lived for like 50 years and you've only lived for like 20 years they're gonna have a lot more stories than you and a lot more things that you don't know about them that are gonna that you may never find out so I think it's a great way to get to know somebody who you just want to know more about who's been in your life I wish that I could send story worth to Eric Bernison from the Golden Compass. Great. And my bear dad would tell me some great stories. Yeah. If you have a bear dad, you can send this to your bear dad. You can, any weird, any any kind of dad. What if I want to send this to somebody who could be, who might be my dad? That is also want, a thing. Will you, you be could my be new doing. dad? Here is the story worth. But I do think it is good for people who are like in your life who have been like nice figures in your life for a while, but you don't feel like you know that much about. Oh, absolutely. And the and the cool thing about story worth is that like it's a great long distance gift. You know, if if you're you know your dad lives far away from you, you know this is a great way to connect with them. And you know sometimes, or if you're you're close to your dad, like visit like you know like you live in the same town, you know, and you see them all the time, there's questions about their life that you might not think to ask. Of course. And StoryWorth is really, really cool for that. And so if you want to get $20 off, you go to storyworth.com slash reading glasses when you subscribe. That's storyworth.com slash reading glasses. Glasses. Welcome. Thank you. No Thanks. problem. Thank These you. are real podcast listeners, not actors. What do you look for in a podcast? Reliability is big for me. Power. I'd say comfort. What do you think of this? Oh. That's Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? They came out of the floor? And down from the ceiling? That can't be safe. I'm upset. Can we go now? Soon. Jordan Jesse Go, a real podcast. This week, it's all about magic and literature. Lots of different types of books can have magic in them, from high fantasy to magical realism to literary fiction. People have a lot of opinions about what they like or they don't like in their magic systems. But what the fuck is a magic system? Mm. What even counts as magic? Who could say? Sarah Gailey can say. Luckily, we've got author Sarah Gailey in the studio today. Sarah motherfucking Gailey to help figure us out. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. What are you reading right now? Right now, I'm reading this gorgeous book called The 10,000 Doors of January. I'm so sorry, listeners. It's an advanced copy. It's not on shelves yet. Can't have it. But it's amazing. It's by Alexi Harrow, and it's a complete deconstruction of the inherent colonialism of portal fantasy. Wow. And I'm in love with it. And as, yeah, so uh, also shout out to our friend of the show, Lauren Panapinto, uh, over at Orbit Books, because that cover is gorgeous. The cover nice. is stunning. Also, when they sent me the advanced copy, they sent it in this envelope that had a fancy sticker on the outside. And so immediately I was like, I'm on board. <laughs> and then I opened it up and the book had a little ribbon wrapped around it with a little oh. shiny metal key. Uh-huh. Oh, I love that stuff. I am I am such a, f- a fucking mark. I immediately, <laughs> I was like, this has treasure. The treasure is mine forever. <laughs> and I Im- I immediately started reading the book because I was like, I'm so susceptible to bribery of any kind. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, how we got Sarah in the studio. We, we put a bunch of shiny things we in put a bunch lines. of keys. 
<laughs> bunch, to, bunch of to keys. leave them here. You follow, Listen, follow them in. That that would work. Yeah, <laughs> you had like a cool frog in there somewhere, and oh. I will go anywhere. <laughs> you thought you were gonna open up like a magic door, but instead it's just like an old podcast studio, a <laughs> real <laughs> dirty podcast studio. Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> so, speaking of magic, can you tell us about your new book that we've talked about? I think this is the fourth or fifth time we've oh talked God. about this book. Well, on the some, show. these are out of order, so it's weird because like we're talking about it now, but then you'll hear about it again. In, in like a few yes. episodes, which is weird, but it's true. Yeah. Magic for Liars. Tell us about your new book. Yeah. Magic for Liars comes out on June 4th, which is a week from the day that we're recording this. How ah! you doing? Ah, great. <laughs> <laughs> and it is about a, a non-magical PI who has to solve the murder of a faculty member at a high school for magical teens. Her estranged magical twin sister just so happens to work at that high school as a faculty member. It is all about identity and class and the lives we tell ourselves to get through the day. And I am so excited for it to be on shelves. It's I'm, so good. We're so excited for yeah. it. I It's one of, one of my favorite books of the year. So what the hell is magic? In this episode, we're talking about magic as in the ability to make supernatural things happen, not being a magician or an illusionist, although I do really like books about that. Uh, a magic system means in the book world, it's basically a set of rules that magic follows in a book. Like in Harry Potter, you got to use your fucking wand. High magic generally means like a big fantasy world and low magic is more like our everyday world, but a little bit changed. Let's talk about the history of magic first. The thing is, it's really hard to say what is magic, what is legend. Um, You know, there's all sorts of things in history that can count as magic. For instance, um, someone doing that, like, cup and ball trick. Okay. Cup and ball trick. Not a euphemism. But I literally don't know what you're talking about. Right, you know, it's that trick where you're cup and the ball. (laughs) Nope. Yeah, you have... Nope. No. I see what you're doing with those hands. I see what you're doing with those hands. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, it's the trick where you go, you're at a... I don't know. For some reason, you're in a park, and there's a, oh. a person, and they put the cup under the the I ball so under the game. cup. I, I thought you meant like when you have a little cup and there's a string and a ball attached to it, and you're trying to get the no, ball into the, the one cup. where like there's I a thought... ball. You have like three cups, and Wait. then you're like, here's the ball, and like which one is it under? And you do like this really fast. Everyone can see me because we're on a podcast. <laughs> uh, you do Bray it. Is you flailing around. You move it. You move all the little cups really fast. I'm describing this in the worst way possible. It's, I I've heard that called shell the shell game. game. Yeah. Oh, it is called the shell game. Yeah, I was thinking. I and cup and, I just think of it as the cup and ball trick. I thought the cup and ball trick is like like one of those like really dinky like illusions where you have a ball and then you put it in a cup and then you turn the cup upside down and the ball doesn't come out and you're like da da. I, I literally it. all thought extremely different things about I wonder cup what and it balls. is because they no they call it cup and ball trick on this thing. I think they're anyway. calling it that to make you say that out loud. They're listening to this podcast. Very are. excited to hear from um, Bria. Say anyway, those words. it's as old as 50 AD. <laughs> <laughs> the first book that really delved into magic in the way. We think of it in the modern era is a book called The Discovery of Witchcraft by Reginald Scott in 1584. That's discovery with an I-E. The fun old-timey spelling of discovery. The old discovery. Vowels. And it was was, uh, intended to be an expose of witchcraft, to be like, look how untrue this is. Get those cups out of those balls. (laughs) Get them out. Uh, it didn't work very well, but it was intended to be an expose. We're now going to take the balls out. So, Bria, what are some books with magic systems that you love? There's so many. I you I know, know it's you weird. Love a magic book. I know what's weird is that, of course when when I start thinking about it, I'm like, but what do I read? Um, I don't need to say like a Harry Potter. I feel like we we we're given that everyone loves it. Do we have to even say it's just like a baseline? Yeah, yeah. no, okay. it's just there. Okay, um, I mentioned this a lot, but All Souls trilogy, the the Deborah Harkness book, I like that 
trilogy a whole lot. Um, a book I haven't talked about in a while, in a while but I really liked was All the Birds we, in the Sky. We retire oh. it. Oh, we retired yes. it? There's is that like what it was? three books that are retired, and one of them is All the Birds in the Sky. Um, uh, um, Priest Daddy. Priest Daddy and um, American Hippo. Um, uh, yes. What is it? Um, uh, uh, River of Teeth. Nice. Okay. Okay. Well, um, that one I wanted to bring up because it combines magic and sci-fi, which is a real treat, but I'm sorry we retired it. We should just, you have to write these down for me because you know I can't right. remember this kind or of It's going to be like a want, wanted posters, like books that we've talked <laughs> about so many times no, on the show. It's also like the wall at like a, a little tiny convenience store that's like, don't accept checks from these people. Yeah, it's like a blurry yeah. picture of Charlie Jane answers. <laughs> but what if, but what if, <laughs> taking on my phone. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, but what if, uh, you know, someone's listening to the show for the first time oh, and they haven't read those books? I know. Uh, I mean, I mean, I've never, I've never heard anything about all the birds in the sky. What even is that <laughs> book? <laughs> How could, how could you possibly know anything about it? It's a wonderful magic and sci-fi book all at the same time. It's just such a treat. Um, okay, one that we haven't retired yet is uh, the Akata Witch by, uh, series by Nettie Okorafor. Akata Witch is witchcraft, magic stuff. It's a, love, it's a person discovering their powers. I love that kind of book where we're learning with that person. I'm, I'm into that. What about you, Sarah? As a um, resident magic expert, what, yeah. do you, what magic systems do you like? So even though I have all the... Pre- like very predictable issues with the series. I do love the magic system and the magicians. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how rigorous it is. I love how the difficulty in it is is learnable, but also is like inaccessible because it's so yeah. complicated and 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 tricksy. Um, I also I'm so obsessed with the magic system in the Garth Nix's Sabriel. Sabriel series. The concept of charter magic, which unites all things in all creation. And if you can access it, then you can access those things. And the incorporation of music into magic in those books, I think, is beautiful. Yeah. Um, and also the concept that there is an underside to that magic that is free magic, that is more powerful, but also inherently corrupting. I just like, I just want to eat it up. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so surprising no one, my favorite books are with magic are the ones that are fucking weird. Yeah. And a little sinister. I love a book with magic in it that's like really subtle and changes the world in weird ways. Yeah. Like um I love like L- Kelly Link stories where like everything's the same but just like one thing's a little bit off and a little bit strange. Um and I love like all the way to Golden Compass where the magic is like a little bit subtle like you just have like a magical animal friend and your your soul is outside your body in the form of an animal that talks to you like on game give me that shit all day um or exit west by mohsin hamid uh where the doors start opening up all over the world um and they like you know refugees start using them and stuff changes that way like weird subtle things like i really really like i just love the idea that if you like tweak the world a little bit in one way and give certain people access to it and certain people have who have no access to it or everybody access to it um i absolutely love stuff like that and so can you tell us about sarah the magic system and magic for liars Yes. How did you set up, like, did you, like, make a big murder wall of, like, things that you wanted to set up? Or <laughs> So Magic for Liars is told from the perspective of a non-magical person who's coming in from the outside um, of the magical world. And she's very intentionally set herself outside of this world. So she she doesn't understand the magic system at any point. Um, she spends the entire book trying to seem like she understands it. And mostly succeeding because she says the right things at the right times but she never comprehends it and my goal in this book I'm very sorry this might be frustrating for people was to immerse the reader in that feeling no I almost be able to understand um 
So the magic system is inherent, um, which means it's not something that just anybody can learn. You have to have magic in you already. It's not uh, hereditary. It's not learnable. It's just something that some people have and some people don't. And if you have access to that magic, then you have to do all this like mindfulness and thought uh, processing in order to learn how to access it in controlled ways. And once you are working on that, then you can start working on the theory of magic and the ideas behind it. So I set it up a lot like math, where some people already have minds that are like math ready, and then they start working on learning basic concepts of math, and then they start learning higher theory of math. Which basically is magic, as far as I'm concerned, in real life. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, hard same. People who can just add that tip right up, I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> it's it's very complicated to me when people start talking about interest rates. I, Yeah. The temperature in here just went up a little bit. <laughs> um, so this magic system is really based in metaphor. It's based in psychology. It's everyone approaches and interacts with magic differently. Um, again, just like in math, people have specializations in their magic that are kind of incomprehensible to other people. So you've got people who are really focused on physical magic, which is like, you know, you're kind of Harry Potter, right? Like changing the world around me and how it looks. And then you've got people who are really into theoretical magic, which is wild and like doesn't make sense and doesn't really follow, excuse me, and doesn't really follow the rules of the world as we understand it. And then you've got people who are really involved in the magic of the body and the different schools of thought around medical science as applied to a magical world. So I basically tried to make the system as confusing as academia is to me. I think that that actually, that totally makes sense to me. And when I was reading it, it was, I mean, as a person who also spent a lot of time in academia, where I was like, oh, right, this is what it's like, where there's all these, like, theories and there's people who are like, oh, that's not really my field of expertise. Like, I feel like that is the way magic would kind of exist. I mean, obviously there's many kinds of magic, but there would people would be able to specialize like that, which I think is really interesting. That's, like, a really interesting way to look at it. Yeah, that's actually, I, I love, I read this book in one sitting and I think it, part of the reason what makes you not able to put it down is because you're going along with Ivy and you're like, I don't know what's going on, but I believe in her. Yeah. <laughs> All extremely complicated, but I want to know what's going on because she wants to know what's going on, but she doesn't want to seem like people, like she wants to know what's going on and it's perfect. Um, so Bria, is there a kind of magic that's in your wheelhouse or like a type of magic system that will make you not want to read a book? Ooh, um, I like people discovering powers. That's something I enjoy, but I think everyone sort of like that, likes that. I've really been into gin lately, as you know You've been having a big gin I've been on a big gin kick. Um, and I, I do love a magical realism. I love, um... I think this is the way I, like, fit in my literary fiction, where I'm like, oh, but it has a little hint of magic in there, so I feel like I'm excited to read it, even though it's, mm-hmm. you know, smart, not smarter, but, like, it's um, more... It's not, it's a literary fiction, it's so when character people... character-focused. Yeah, but also, here's the thing. If you when read... When all the trash babies out there... Yeah, like, a lot of trash babies, like, are like, oh, the books you read aren't very smart, but I'm like, well, I'll read a literary fiction book, <laughs> and then you're gonna <laughs> think it's very smart. Damn, um, fucking trash babies. The uh, magical realism kind of stuff that I like, the, the person who comes to mind is Toni Morrison. Like, that kind of magical realism, I'm really, I think is really cool. It's, like, grounded, but there's something weird. There's something magical. Um, God, we could do a whole episode on magical we, realism. And we should, because there's a lot of 
important things to talk about in there. Um, Sarah, what about you? Is there like, if you'll see a book with a certain kind of magic system, will you like pick it up? Is there like, you know, talking frogs? You're like, hell yeah. I mean, listen, any kind of frogs, I'm like, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> Are you big into frogs? Is this a thing? Yeah. I mean, I'm just into like creatures. You're, okay. And they're was... wearing a Kermit shirt. You are wearing okay, Kermit shirt. Is, it's Kermit and Vincent Price because it was just Vincent Price's, Price's birthday. birthday. <gasps> um, bisexual icon. Great. Um, no, I'm just into creatures and I talk a lot about frogs because when I was a little kid, there was like a frog area in my backyard that I was obsessed with. <laughs> I love area as if like, it wasn't like a pond, but it was like maybe like a condominium yeah. complex. Or, like, <laughs> I mean, I, I picture just like a hole, a hole where frogs were hopping around in there. <laughs> it was an abandoned hot tub, so it was really deluxe wow. for the frogs. Yeah. They're, they're like, Wait, they're, now they're, I need to know, oh, where did you grow shirts? up? I grew up in Fremont, which is a city in California that's like near Palo Alto. I was going to guess Florida from that from that oh, ab- abandoned hot tub with frogs. That feels like that a very Floridian. Florida vibe. Yeah, it does. It, I feel like we brought a little bit of Florida into Fremont. You, you sure did. <laughs> a little flavor. <laughs> oh, the, the things that I love in magic magic systems and books, I also love the magical realism. Um, I'm going to yell Tana French. Mm-hmm. I always yell. I always, yeah, I always yell her name at everybody, but she does this great in the Dublin Murder Squad books where it's like your kind of procedural crime with a big literary fiction like like zhuzh to it. Yeah. But there's always a thread of like kind of unknowable magic in there that oh, I love it so much. And also anything that's like weird household intuitive goblin-y magic that's like you have to tie knots in stuff. Oh yeah. And like, oh, you wear this ring and you turn it around three times and then a thing will happen and you don't understand why. I never want to understand the why. Of yeah. magic. I think this is why I was bad at chemistry in high school. Yes. Because I'm like... Because you're bringing the math into the science. Yeah. I'm like, just, no, just... I, I loved anatomy and physiology and still do because I'm like, no, it just happens. Yeah. And we don't right. know why. Like, we don't, we don't know why the brain does anything it does. Yes, that's true. And I love it. Yeah. And that's what I like in my magic. I'm with you on that a magical objects thing. Mm-hmm. I like, I like, like, a random... Like, and this thing is magic because I think I like the idea that maybe I could find one. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then it could be introduced into my life. Like, I oh, would have yeah. a magic object. Like, you, know, you get funny. a key in the mail. Oh. Yeah, you a key, a magic frog. Oh. Uh. <laughs> when I was a kid reading Harry Potter, I was like, there's my thing that I got stressed out about. I was like, there's no way I was like, I'm going to lose my wand. There's no way I could carry around a magical object and never use it and use it all the time. No, people who are listening to the podcast can't tell, but I'm waggling my iPhone around. Yeah, that's true. And then I got a smartphone, and I was like, oh, yeah, I could totally keep track of a wand, especially if yeah, I had a little, I like those wand pockets. Oh, yeah, a little in the holster. Rows. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you think that that little wand holster is the wizard equivalent of, like, a dad's cell phone clip yes. on his oh, belt? Oh, yeah. For like, it's sure. like, it's like, it, after a while, like, lame. Like, yeah. Yes. You know, you didn't you didn't use wands at all or anything in your magical universe. No, I I didn't want the magic to be anchored to objects, which is probably bad for like long term branding. Like if like if, <laughs> like if you want to make something to sell, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like if if like Disney is like, hey, we're gonna do magic for liars, then there's like no action figures for them or anything. Oh, um, I think there's action figures. I don't want to say certain Ivy things, Campbell. but I'm like, there's certain like things that you could make that they like, you know. I can't say it because I feel like it'll give it away. I would buy an Ivy Gamble action figure for fucking sure. Yeah. You are an Ivy Gamble. I'm not suave enough. (laughs) Good point. Um, She's not suave. She's a disaster. Um, Yeah, I didn't want to anchor it in physical objects. Also because I wanted this to be a very, like, um, inaccessible world. And I feel like if you can grab a wand 
and maybe you can do magic with it. That gives you too much hope yeah. of being able to climb into this world. Every I want it's it going to crush your dreams. Oh yeah. <laughs> My agent says that the things I write in long fiction, like the overarching brand of that, is things that make you feel bad inside. So yeah. But I like that because I do think that it is this, especially because, you know, we read all these magic books and y'all, we're never going to be magic as far as I know. So it is sort of like a real, like uh, a real way to view magic. You come into this world and you can't be a part of it. Yes. Well, that's how I felt. Like, that's why I I have a massive Harry Potter tattoo that's a big owl with a with a letter because I was like I'm never getting my own Hogwarts owl no. I have to get one as myself as you know, mm-hmm. I don't think it's gonna happen I wait because I read Harry Potter when I was nine yeah so yeah. I waited at my 11th birthday I was pretty upset that day that was my maybe one of my worst birthdays oh, no. I remember when I was a child I also the same thing with like a Disney princess where I was like oh I'm never gonna be a Disney princess because I'm not a princess like that came to my real I realized I it. had that same feeling about being a dog Mm. Oh, never yeah, going to be yeah, a dog. Yeah, huh? yeah, I, re- I was really crushed because that's my thing with magic is I want talking animals. Yeah, yeah. Bears right, right, specifically, right. but like I just want a talking animal friend. And it took me a while to be like, oh, wait, I can't. This is not the Pokemon evolution of being a person. I'm never going to evolve into being a dog. Yeah. Mm. No, it's no. It's never going to happen. I can't marry a dog and I can't be a dog. How you I am. That's how I feel about the dog world. I'm outside of it forever. Yeah. Yeah, you, I feel like I converted that into ambition because mine was I'm never gonna meet the Muppets, mm. and then now I'm like I just have to get a new really- career. Then maybe I could I could meet them someday. Sarah, you're oh, extremely man. close to being a Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> you're a hop, skip, and a jump. I know, can I'm we, right can we backtrack there. one second? If you met a, if a bear started talking, does I it have would- to say wait? What if it only says really mean stuff like how it wants to eat you? <laughs> Hi, I'm a bear. I want to eat you. Right <laughs> you don't say I'm a bear. It's just like, fuck you. I'm going to eat you. I'm Come here. No, <laughs> I would still get out because that meant that there was the possibility that there were other bears out there and one of them might be my dad. That's all I might be your dad? That's Ioric Burnison from the Golden Compass is my friend. We're going deep. We're going deep. I got it. I got it. Now it's psychology right now. Uh, What if you meet a bear and it negs you and it's a (laughs) a pickup artist bear? I would, I would. It's like, what, you think that hair's cute? <laughs> that hair's not cute. You must be. You're pretty brave glasses. for that purple hair, Mallory. <laughs> oh, wow, you smile a lot. Are you trying to do that to impress bears? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, yes, I am. <laughs> but again, I, but then I would be happy with the knowledge that elsewhere there were other talking bears, and this would not be the singular talking bear, because that's like, I like I if there's any kind of talking animal in a book, I will pick it up. Yeah, that I is do my like shit. And like, absolutely. My other thing is if anything's weird or like very unique, like if I picked up in a bookstore, book in a bookstore, and it was like this is a story where everyone can fly, but only when they're lying or they have a boner. Like I would be like, yes, I am yeah. in. Like I love weird, yeah, like things that t- like that change the world in absolutely weird ways. My uh, magic system that I don't like, and this is why I've never read The Magicians, and I have a lot of feelings about them, is this uh, the thing where a woman gets sexually or anybody gets sexually assaulted and then they have magic powers to deal with it. Like right now I've been reading doom patrol and the comic book and I love it. But one of the main characters, crazy Jane who ends up being incredible. And in the show she's written by a woman. So she's like amazing, but she has 64 different personalities and each one of them has a different superpower. And they all come from the fact that she was uh, abused by her father when she was a kid and her mind splintered to deal with that and to a bunch of different superheroes and this is something I think that authors need to just like, I feel like we need an office-wide memo mm-hmm. to not do that anymore. You, I feel like women yeah, can just to get to be trauma. magical. Yeah. Yeah. They don't yeah. have to do that. And that, like, if a book has that, I will pick it up and be like, nah. There's a lot of other things I can read. Can I complicate it a little bit, though? Do you think that someone is trying to do a positive spin? I'm not arguing for it, but do you think someone's trying to do a positive spin on going through a trauma? My problem is if it's written by a dude. Like... 
I mean, I kind of universally have a problem with this because as someone who is like deeply traumatized and has a lot of bad shit that's happened to me, so many people have found out about it and they don't know what to do with that information. And so they say to me, um, like, well, you know, you're you're stronger for having gotten through that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I My brain is a disaster. My physical health is calamitous. And I just had a doctor be like, oh, that's probably trauma related. Like, you know, I might be like tougher and have different perspective on my life, but also I would so much prefer to not sure have that. Think of all those books I could buy with all that therapy money. (laughs) Oh man, the amount of money I spent on therapy. (laughs) Yes. And that's the thing. Like I definitely, like, I know there's the argument that like, you know, some of these stories and what, I think that, like, especially in the later comics, especially now, like, Crazy Jane is written in a way that it's it's interesting to see her come to terms with that. And it's it, it can be great to watch a character, especially if they're written really well and empathetically, deal with this stuff through that. But if that's all we're seeing or, like, okay. Because, sure. right, like, so many of these female characters, that's how they get their powers is, like, something bad has happened to them and this is how they deal with it. Mm-hmm. I just, like, like, just, like... Give them the powers. Just give yeah. it to them. Just give <laughs> them the powers. Them, they can have them the same way anyone else can. Amazing. As it turns out. What I admire a lot more, actually, is when you're depicting assault and trauma, um, this isn't quite the same thing, but in the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, there's this abortion plotline that happens, and I'm not going to talk about who because, you know, spoiler stuff, but someone needs to get an abortion, and they have it, and it impacts them, and it affects them throughout the rest of the story, but it isn't this humongous defining thing Mm -hmm. it doesn't change their life and i would love to see it in superhero magic narratives where someone you know has something bad happen to them and they process it and incorporate it into who they are but it's not the thing that makes them magic it doesn't break them as a person it doesn't turn them into a villain like yeah i mean i think part of that narrative issue comes from a lack of understanding that sexual assault and intimidation is a part of the everyday life of a lot of people, yeah. most female-presenting people, a lot of queer people. And so it's not necessarily this huge life-altering thing. It's something that happens to us, and and then we keep living our lives, and you can't necessarily tell because we're walking around wearing a big mask that says, like, I am evil now because I got <laughs> raped. Like, Right. Yeah. I think that's where that comes from. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting that, that it's like, yeah. I also I like seeing characters. One of my favorite tropes, and I will totally pick up a book like this, is if a character like gets midlife magic. Ooh, like, oh yeah, yes. like, late, late in life magic. Like yes. like magic paws. Yes. Uh, wait, hold on. Go on. Like feet paws. Oh no, no. no. Like, you mean like menopause? Yeah. Oh, I meant like to... magic paws. Like <laughs> also I into that bare feet. Into both. I, into I just, both. I just saw Mallory's face light up. I was yeah. like, give me those bare feet because I love the idea. So, and actually, this is actually something I really like about Magic for Liars is, like, we all have this idea that, like, my life would be great if I had magic. And then a character gets magic and they just get a bunch of new problems and things are different. I love exploring those kind of problems yeah. through magic. And in Magic for Liars, Ivy sees that maybe it's not all that ma- – having magic isn't that all that's cracked up to be. That, like, your life isn't perfect if you have magic. Okay, so so you can send your thoughts on magic and, and bear paws uh, to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Bear paws! I want some. I think it went from bear, uh, magic paws I am just stuck on the idea paws. of me being a full human being, but with bare feet. <laughs> <laughs> and just, like, eating a sandwich. Um, uh, so before we solve a reader problem, we're going to take a quick break. Genre film fans, hear me. I know you're out there. 
Do not be ashamed of your love for gore, action, sci-fi, or fantasy. It's time to come out of the shadows, because on Switchblade Sisters, we celebrate our love for genre films. I'm film critic April Wolf. Each week, I have a conversation with a different female filmmaker about their fave genre film, and we cover film craft, getting projects off the ground, working with actors, and our general love for genre movies. I've had so many great guests, like Heather Graham. In the past, it's like so many films are made by men that the female point of view is not always respected, which is why all these stories haven't come out till now. Jennifer's body director, Karin Kusama. I think there's a lot more fantasy and a lot more expectation projected onto a woman director. Comedian and actor, Kate Berlant. I mean, it sounds so cheesy to talk about it in yourself, like, you just keep going, you're, you know, I'm just a vessel, like, I, I just do it, you know, I don't think, but, like, that is what it is. And many others. So check out Switchblade Sisters every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Rita writes in, I want to ask for your opinion on how to rate anthologies and books of short stories. It's very rare for me to find one where I like every single story, and sometimes there will be some that I love and adore and others that I really hate. So when marking the book on Goodreads, I never know what to do. Right now I just leave it blank. Sad face. For example, I love 90% of Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Machado, but I hated the story blank because I'm not going to repeat this on air. She, she listed it, but I will not have... We don't like to talk badly about books on reading glasses. Uh, It went on forever. Thanks for making something I look forward to every week, and and I'm next in line for Mallory's book at the library. Thank you, Rita. I hope you like it more than that particular story. Uh, Bria, what should Rita do? So I think this goes for any book, right? Okay. There are parts of the book where you can be like, ah, know if I need that. I mean, like, I don't know. I, yes. I'm talking to two authors right now. You're probably like, no, you need every part of my book. <laughs> but I mean, there's definitely parts. I mean, I can say, like, I saw a movie last night, and there were parts where I was like, I didn't need that part. That could have been gone. That movie could have been a little bit shorter. Um, but I get it. I would say, okay, here's my suggestion. Do you remember yes. Mean, Medium, and mode. mode? Yes. Do you remember these? Oh, yeah. I okay. remember these. I, this is the only time I've used them since, like, 10th grade, so I'm going to try to remember what I've, the fuck they meant. I have all the faith in you. Um, so I say you use the median, okay? Because that was the one where you don't average them together. You actually do, like, if you have a one star and then four or five stars, then you do the mi- middle one, which is a five star. Is this? Are you following? I'm following. Yes. I'm with okay. you. Yeah. So I think the median is five stars. Okay. And I think that's the way you do it, right? It's um, it's not the mean. It's not the mode. Mode is when you repeat it. When have we ever used that? I, how I, many numbers repeat? And yeah. then mean is the average. Yeah. I don't think mode actually exists. I, I don't remember that, and I don't know even. It's oh, one of those things really? you learn in high school. You're like, this doesn't exist. Oh in real no, life. I mean like, I, oh, I remember having to learn it. Yeah, but I don't think it's but real. I don't think it exists, and I don't remember what it actually means. It means the number that's repeated the most. Yeah. So you could kind of do that one too, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I. But when did you, what is the yeah what is the real world world usage of it? Nothing. I, I don't think there is. It's, it's one. No. saying that you know what the word mode means. Yeah, I guess that's they true. just needed a third M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And which mode would also work if you repeated number five? If they got five stars? Yes. For every for all stories but one, I think that it is highest rating. And because especially in a short story collection, like I skip around. If, oh yeah. If a story I'm like ah, I'm not into this, but I liked the one before this, yeah. like I'll keep reading and do yeah. a different story. And I it doesn't change my mind about the book overall yeah yeah Sarah, that's that's my opinion um i i think i'm close to that i believe in i mean i, I would discard outliers right so if it's like mm. a bunch of four star stories one five star story and one one star stories and i'm gonna be like well the one one star story 
whatever. You know, we'll discard that and I'll consider the others. I also, when I'm looking at an anthology, if it's um not all one author, if it's like a collection of a lot oh, of different yeah. stories, I also look at the editing of it. Um, there's an anthology that I won't name, but that is supposed to be about strong women. And I remember being really excited going into reading it. <laughs> And reading no, it, to know what it is, and it was a calamity because it was all like, like, oh, this woman is strong because she's a stripper who's going to get murdered. Uh, and I, just, I know exactly what anthology. This no, is. not yeah. enough bear paws. And <laughs> one star. And so, like, I was reading that, and some of those stories were, I would say, good, but didn't really meet the prompt. And so I thought about like, oh, if I'm going on Goodreads to see, am I going to like this anthology? I'm a reader, the answer is going to be hard pass because mm. it's not what it says it is, right? If I'm like looking for an anthology that is stories about strong, powerful women, um, I'm not going to want to read this book, which includes a story about a woman who's strong because she tries to trick a guy into killing her husband and then that guy murders her during sex. Like, that's just not what the book is saying it's going to be yeah, about. It's, yeah. Uh-huh. I don't like that book. So... Um, I would say, like, consider the editorial perspective, consider whether the anthology is achieving its goals, and also, overall, is it an enjoyable experience to read? Yes. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I so I definitely always lean towards a higher rating. I grade on a curve, and I think if, like assess the way that you feel at the end of it you know if you're you finish an anthology and you're generally feeling satisfied you know give it a good rating if only a few stories in there were duds again just like outliners don't worry about them and just like sarah said in an anthology you're not just rating all the writers if it's a if it's if it's not uh if it's a anthology of a bunch of different authors you're rating the editor the person who curated all of them and Hmm. put them together in a certain way put them like chose those stories put chose them in a particular order uh don't don't forget to think about that you know if you think it was generally well put together and you liked reading it minus you know a dud or whatever give that baby some stars yeah Mm -hmm. you know that's interesting i i this is interesting what y'all are saying that the anthology you're generally rating the editor. Yeah, because the editor is the person who chose those stories and sometimes solicited them or put them together. It's not like those stories all like got together in a bar and were like, let's band together and we'll get published. <laughs> like, it's, what it, is that know, bar? Like, I want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm going to, I want to drink. But yeah, so there's, it's, it, it definitely is tough, I think, to rate anthologies. But I, if I finish one and I feel uh, satisfied, I will give it a good rating. But just like Sarah said, if I'm like, if, it just, I don't think it was well put together. I'm like, yeah, but I, you know, I try not to rate things that I, or talk about things that I don't like. Same yeah. with short stories though? You feel like short stories? For short stories, I, I do the same sort of thing minus the editing part. You know, I will discard, I'll, I'll, I'll generally give a, a short story collection one or two like free passes. Like, yeah. you know, there's, I read one recently and I'm like, oh, I don't really like this, but whatever. Uh, but if there was at least a, a handful of stories in there that I really loved mm-hmm. and I let, and I finished that book feeling glad that I read it, then Five, four or five stars. Yeah. I will also say that um, as someone who's had short stories in anthologies, sometimes those short stories get reprinted elsewhere and you can rate them individually. Ooh, yeah. That's what I was going to ask. That's interesting. Yeah. So, like, I've got um, my short story, Bread and Milk and Salt, originally appeared in the Robots Speaking of Killing Everyone's Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you feel bad inside. <laughs> um, originally appeared, appeared in the Robots versus Fairies anthology um, from Saga and then was reprinted later that year on Tor.com. And so both of those things are on Goodreads, and you can rate the story and the anthology 
separately. If you were like, this story sucks, but I love the rest of the anthology, you can rate the anthology high and then go and give bread and milk and salt like a negative 85 star rating or the other way around you could be like bread milk and salt ruined my life and i want to read it forever and ever (laughs) go give it five million stars on goodreads yeah i think that's really good advice i like mallory's better where you give it five million stars but i didn't want to tell people to do that no you should absolutely people you're about to be on book tour yeah tell (laughs) tell yeah actually so speaking of so sarah where can we find you online where can we we buy magic for liars um you can find me online at com, and I'm also on social media. My handle is gaileyfrey. That's G-A-I-L-E-Y F-R-E-Y and I'm mostly on Twitter but sometimes on Instagram when I remember that Instagram exists and also and sometimes really on Tumblr. pictures of your dog. <laughs> yes. If you want cute dog pictures, follow me on Instagram. So, And if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com and so Sarah is right now we're recording a week before Sarah goes out on tour uh, I am ha- sort of, I was supposed to hand off the torch to you, but my tour got extended. Uh, but and now we're crossing over. So you can see me and Sarah at Skylight Books in, in LA uh, on uh, June 13th, which is a Thursday. Very, very excited. If you want to come talk to Sarah about magic periods and bear paws, they will sign your book. And I can't wait to ask them a bunch of very different questions about Magic for Liars because there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, where else are you going? You I, have some amazing conversation partners, too. I do. I'm going to be everywhere. Um, I know that this is coming out a couple of days after I start, but I am going to be in New York for uh, BookCon and then having my launch event with the Schwab in Brooklyn. Then I'm going to Philadelphia to talk to Jason Reculak. Then I'm in Chicago in conversation with Ferret Steinmetz and on June 5th. And on June 6th, I'm teaching a master class um, at Volumes Bookstore in Chicago. So cool. On children and animals. I'll talk about bears. Nice. Yes. Just for you. I will be in Sun River, Oregon on June 8th. I'm so bummed out I'm missing this. I know. It's going to be really nice. Portland, Oregon on June 10th at Powell's talking to Fonda Lee. Um, Seattle at Third Place Books in Lake Forest Park on June 11th with Sherry Priest. Los Angeles, California at Skylight Books with Mallory O'Meara on June 13th. Highlight of the whole tour. Um, June 15th, I'll be in San Francisco at Borderlands talking to Maggie Takuda Hall. June 17th, I'll be at Mysterious Galaxy in San Diego talking to Greg Van Eekhout. Oh, he's so nice. He's a delight. He's the one that wrote that book about dogs in space that I got you. He's a complete delight. Um, June 10th, I'll be in Denver, Colorado at Book Bar talking to Carrie Vaughn. June 13th, I'm, or sorry, June 19th, I'm in Washington, D.C. talking to John Scalzi. June 25th, I'm at Cambridge, Massachusetts, Harvard Bookstore talking to Max Gladstone. Holy shit, this is a crazy tour. I know, I'm going to die. Hang in there, listener, I'm almost finished. June 29th, I'm in Riverside at Cellar Door talking to Aiza Gemma Everett. And then July 13th, I'll be in San Francisco for Writers with Drinks. Please come to that. I will read so fun. Um, to you at all of these events and do questions and signings. And if you pre-order the book and send your receipt to Tor, they will send you an enamel pin. And if you <gasps> wear it to an event, you get a special fancy inscription in your book. Wow. Sarah's going to tell you how to be a magic bear. What's the enamel pin? It's the... The the hand on the oh, cover cool. of Magic for oh. Liars. Wow. It's really fucking cool. 
So, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy, who run our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. This week's outro is by Joan from Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And remember, if you want to support the show and look cool and have sexy people want to talk to you, you can buy Reading Glasses shirts and tote bags and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show and you don't want to spend money, you can for free rate and review us on iTunes. We're ticking along towards 700. I don't know if we're going to do anything special for 700. Maybe we'll just record a weird video. Maybe we'll finally do one of those purse dump things that people Ooh, are always... purse dump. Ooh. Purse dump. People are always asking us what, what, what... You know what's in our purse, guys. It's Bria's is full of snacks and mine is full of books. Not mysterious. Uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast. On Instagram at readingglassespodcast. And you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading. Harry, I think I just understood something. I've got to go to the library. And she sprinted away up the stairs. What does she understand, said Harry distractedly, still looking around, trying to tell where the voice had come from. Loads more than I do, said Ron, shaking his head. But why she got to go to the library? Because that's what Hermione does, said Ron, shrugging. When in doubt, go to the library. From Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets by J.K. Rowling. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.